morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Andrew, also known as the Cashflow King, is joining us. And we got NFT tones on this Monday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple continues to dominate cross-border payments, now partnering with Instaram and commanding over 90% of the global FX market. Support for the SEC's attack on crypto is quickly coming to a halt after their regulation by enforcement agenda is receiving major pushback from members of Congress. American banks are beginning to utilize crypto technology as HBAR now enables American banks to make micropayments using their blockchain. And with Ripple being connected to JP Morgan, American Express, and Bank of America, we break down the details, showing our community how Ripple is set to dominate the next era of finance. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we've got tons of nude prepared for today, but I want to remind our listeners really quick, tomorrow afternoon, 3 p.m., I believe, Johnny Crypto is going to be going live with Coach JV doing a Merlin breakdown on this channel. So shout out to that, Johnny. That's really exciting. But how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. Abs, I'm feeling great. It was a beautiful weekend, warm weather, boating weather. Finally, I was excited. You're with your family. Everything's great. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys for showing up every single day here in the chat. And it's great to see Andrew and NFT Tones in the house. Wow, I'm surprised today. I can't wait. An exciting day, guys. And for our listeners out there, I just want to give Tones a shout out. He was the first one in prep this morning. That's how you know today's a special day, Andrew. But first of all, I want to say congratulations on your crypto course as well. I know you put a great update out on Twitter, but how are you feeling and how's the course going? Hey, good morning, everybody. Good evening. Good afternoon. I'm doing great. Had a fantastic weekend. I was in an, it was special. I was in an open air theater with a, a performance of Romeo and Juliet. You know, it was about love. So let's also uh, uh, express our love to crypto and uh, and XRP. You know, uh, yeah, my course is going fantastic. You know, all the all the uh, uh, all my students are making money after several weeks already. You know, it, it's it's a course outside or to exclude emotions. And it's all based on calculators. I can talk hours about it, but that would take the whole show. So uh, I look forward to a great show. Johnny, uh, Apps, uh, uh, and Tones, happy to be here. And uh, let's, uh, let's go. Happy to have you here, Andrew. And NFT Tones, always excited to have you on the show as well. And today we've got a bunch of exciting news prepared. We're talking Coinbase, Amicus Briefs, XRP. But before we get into it, how are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm excited to be here. First one in the prep room. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get this show underway. I've been excited. I've had a great weekend. I finally started my trading card business and I'm getting things underway and I'm excited. Congratulations, Tones. And he's wearing that thing like a badge of honor this morning, Johnny Crypto, showing up first to prep. We already got 182 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to get into this show the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, Johnny, sitting at a 50. When we look at some of the daily movers, HBAR is sitting center stage up 16%. XDC is down 4%. And we've got Twitter or TWT 
up about 4%. When we look at our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominant. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29700 Ethereum, 1850 and XRP up 4% on the 24-hour, sitting at $0.65 cents this morning. And guys, this is an exciting interview and an exciting episode for today for two reasons. The first one, we're going to draw some serious connections between the BIS, American Express, and Ripple, showing you how they're already using this technology behind the scenes. But we're also going to break down how regulation is working to the benefit of crypto holders around the world. We already got 200 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's the latest update on Ripple out of Australia. What's happened with the SEC, right? And the, the uh, a U.S. judge finding that... XRP is not a security when it came to uh, mass retail, but when it was sold to institutional um, participants, it was considered a security. So these nuances coming out of the U.S., do they have influence on jurisdictions like Australia? When you take a look at that, does that have a, a precedent-setting uh, impact? How do how do how do you as industry leader, and how does Australia, from a legal perspective, view uh, a ruling like that? I think it's influential in the sense that, of course, what the SEC does is influential around the world. And, and you would any regulator or legislator is going to look at what they do and take it into consideration. Um, but their decision that XRP is not a security, I think, mirrors what we saw out of Japan years ago, where they said it wasn't a security. And certainly yeah. here in Australia, it didn't it didn't match up with the local test around what uh, security was for XRP. You can't retrofit a lot of what we saw in traditional finance into crypto because of the fact that this is so new. And there is then that opportunity for nuance, which nobody really wants, like, no, apart from lawyers, perhaps. <laughs> but certainly anybody who's running a business doesn't want there to be any legal nuance. So you want that clarity. For me, certainly sitting here in Australia, I look I look at what the UK is doing very closely. Australia looks very closely at the UK anyway. There's obviously historical connections between the two countries. But from what I can understand, you know, there is a lot of um, a very close relations between the two from a government and regulatory point of view. But I also think with the UK, they've got a history of taking on opportunities in, in financial services and and really making something of it. And um, we're certainly the big bang and et cetera, et cetera. But and so there is a lot of it, um, very, very smart people in the UK, in and around London, in the financial services who are absolutely working on what will be probably the next big thing. Even though they're sitting outside of Europe now, I still think that their impact will be felt across the European Union and certainly across into the US and hopefully here to, to Australia. And Johnny, we've often talked about this, the U.S. intentionally falling behind in crypto regulation only to come in last second and save the day. But here's what we're really looking at. The SEC's jurisdiction goes far beyond the United States borders. And we just heard it out of Australia, but the U.K. is following suit. If Australia passes similar litigation to what the U.K. is working on right now, they're going to have a green light for not only Ripple adoption, XRP adoption, but crypto adoption in general, I don't think anybody in the United States markets wants to see that capital flood overseas. What do you think, Johnny? What do these statements mean to you? Oh, I mean, I certainly think it just shows that the U.S. still has, uh, you know, these. So any country that's going to be a close partner or ally with the U.S. is going to look at what the U.S. is doing, right? Being the number one leader in the world this or still to some degree. Um, they're going to look at what the U.S. is doing and they're going to, to some degree, 
that's going to have some impact maybe on how they proceed or how they think about it. However, what you heard her say was they're very, very close ally relationship with the UK, and they're looking more at what the UK is doing and where they're going as well. Now, obviously, if you got the UK and the US signed aligned, oh, my God, then there you go, right? That, that's going to drive literally what 90% of the world is going to do. Now, here's what's interesting. She said they look at what the SEC is doing, but the ruling didn't come from the SEC. The ruling came from the courts saying the SEC was wrong. The SEC is still arguing that XRP is a security. In fact, they're appealing it. So this is going to be a very interesting thing to see how the play, how the whole thing plays out at the end of the day, because it isn't what the SEC feels is security. But right now, it's really what 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 either the courts in the U.S. think, or more importantly, what the legislators end up releasing for law. So I think that's what you really need. That's what will ultimately, I think, drive what these countries to some degree do. But I think you've seen a lot of these countries have kind of almost ignored what the U.S. has been doing from the XRP perspective. And they've been moving forward because we know, God, I think it's like over 40 countries have adopted XRP in some kind of trial or, or trial or, or test case. So um, I don't think it's holding anybody back at this point. Well, it might be, but you see a lot of people still move, a lot of countries still moving forward. And here's what's shocking, Johnny Crypto. We're about to show a video of Senator Cynthia Loomis, who has been, I guess, a main proponent of cryptocurrencies in Congress. Here's what's shocking about this video, how uninformed she makes herself seem. They continue to not understand the Ethereum ICO and how Bitcoin is decentralized, but everybody understands from their perspective how XRP is not a security. We're going to play this quick video and go back to cash flow. Here we go. Now, the way things sit, it's starting to look more like Bitcoin is the only thing that would qualify as a commodity uh, because of the way that uh, Ethereum and other uh, cryptocurrencies on which uh, that use the Ethereum uh, platform. Do you think Ethereum could be uh, a security? I do right now. Uh, I think it's possible for it to be sufficiently decentralized that it could later be uh, deemed a commodity. Uh, but right now, I think it's I think it's a security because of the way when they move from proof of work to proof of stake, uh, the way in which it is validated or um, um, used on the uh, the the staking and it, the inability to destake right now, I think make it susceptible to being a security. Mm -hmm. That's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Ethereum there, Andrew. But I'd like to hear your perspective. If this is the person who's supposed to be leading the crypto charge in America, how does it make you feel that she only sees Bitcoin as a commodity? Everything else in her eyes is a security. Um, double agenda. I mean, it's same, same, this is the same area where, where, where our friends and our friends, Mr. Gensler is, is working from. You know, they are just, it is, it is not a coincidence. They are all trying to delay the process. And what you already said in the beginning of the show, uh, uh, U.S. is following and, and, every, and, and they are just looking to the rest of the world like Australia is looking to England, which doesn't surprise me at all because Australia is also part of the Commonwealth. And all those Commonwealth countries are also looking to each other. You know, I'm very happy. We, at least I live, I live in Europe. Uh, and in Europe, we have the, the Mika law. Is it perfect? Probably not, but at least we have something and, and companies and innovators can, can work on it. In, in England, they have something in Hong Kong. And so I, I hope the best for, for US that they can, can yeah, 
keep up with, with the speed that is currently developing in the rest of the world with, with yeah, making new applications and new, uh, new innovations on, uh, yeah, in, in the crypto sphere and in the blockchain sphere. So uh, let's, see, let's see what happens. But uh, yeah, is she, is she really the, the right person to, to, to talk about this? At least she knows the difference a little bit between uh, staking and and and, uh, and proof of work or proof proof of stake and proof of work and so she knows something um we, we'll see how this how this develops but it doesn't surprise me that she talks in this way just to delay the process and andrew what i'm not surprised about at all is the fact that she's defining the moment it became a security or did not become a security was the switch to proof of stake. Now people have to lock up their Ethereum with the Ethereum Foundation and don't even have a choice on whether that's released or not. They have to file and there's only specific dates you can pull your Ethereum out. So they're moving in the wrong direction, in my opinion. But NFT Tones, I'd like to hear some thoughts and we'll continue. All right. Well, what I want to say is I think the biggest issue here is that we have all these old people in the government, right? And they don't understand this technology. They don't understand it at all. And so they're trying to compare it with they're trying to use old uh, accounting and financing systems to justify this and it is not working out. And so what we really need to do is get the younger people in there. The younger people know what's going on. They're innovative, they're driven. And so what will allow the, us to happen if we get the young people in there, we can actually make rules and stuff that actually makes sense and will allow us to actually be pushing forward this technology. Because right now, the United States is kind of in a standstill and it doesn't know what to do. And I blame the older people that are in charge that don't understand this technology. It's an interesting time for sure. But here's an older person who was just found to be owning cryptocurrency this weekend. Shout out to Johnny Crypto. I think you're going to like this update. Former President Trump has been found to hold over $250,000 worth of Ethereum. And that's just according to his financial records. We know Trump likes to hide some of his income, so I'm sure he's got some more behind the scenes. But, Johnny, I'd love to hear what are some of your thoughts. Just really briefly, President Trump found to be holding a quarter million dollars of Ethereum. Obviously, he's up for re-election in the next fall. What do you think could happen from a uh, cryptocurrency adoption standpoint if we got a pro-crypto president back in the White House? I mean, you want to talk about unleashing it. The timing, <clears throat> you know, there's been so much evolution of the technology since the last time he was in office four years ago and having a pro crypto president, whether it's him or DeSantis or anybody, or even FDK, you know, if we get somebody pro crypto, I think you're going to see, Oh my God, you're going to see a flood. I really truly believe you'll see the, the, the spigots open. You'll see uh, innovation coming in. You'll see money flooding into this. You'll really see the U S take a much stronger leading role, even though they've been behind. And they may catch up, but I really think it'd be extremely, I can't tell you how bullish I think it will be. Now, here's what everybody's going to say. They're going to say, well, you know, Clayton threw the, threw the lawsuit out there under, under, under Trump, right? But remember, that was happening when they were both out the door at the very end. Who knows who was pulling the strings at that point in time? So I don't really put a lot of weight into that. I put a lot of weight in the fact that we know, as you said, Definitely more on the pro-crypto side. We just need somebody more pro-crypto who's willing to remove Operation Chokepoint. Abs, when Operation Chokepoint gets shut down and Operation Unchokepoint gets opened up, I really, really, truly think you would see a, 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 a monster, a huge flood 
of everything happening in this space. I, I hope we get to see that happen. That would be very exciting. Here's some more evidence for you, Johnny. We are seeing crypto adoption take place in the United States. And you can look at the Ripple lawsuit. You can look at the Fed now launch. But these are the updates that really matter as we've got breaking news from the Federal Reserve and the HBAR Foundation. FedNow has added another service provider to its showcase as micropayments company DropCC enables micropayments using HBAR USD and USDC. Now, what does this mean for Hedera out there? This means that banks in the United States looking to facilitate micropayments can now use Hedera's technology. Not only that, it's synonymous with the FedNow system. This is a huge integration for the world, but more importantly, for banks within the United States. And later on in this episode, we're going to show you a brand new video. Johnny, I'm going to you here. We are going to show you a brand new video out of American Express where they publicly stated they are working with Ripple to develop this new technology. So really briefly, I'd like to get some thoughts from you, Cashflow, and, and Tones here. HBAR finally being adopted in the U.S., but this is a token not talked about in the mainstream. What does this mean to you? Micropayments in the United States facilitated through Hedera. Johnny. Yeah, I think that, you know, HBAR is making some really, really good grounds behind the scenes, good partnerships. And it's funny, <clears throat> you know, I have a couple services that I kind of keep stay up to track on what's happening with crypto. And one of them was actually talking about keep an eye on, on HBAR, right? Because that is going to be one of those that I think will kind of slowly sneak in, not sneak in there. But I mean, there's just not, like you said, Abs, not a lot of talk about it. Um. But I, but there's definitely a lot of their, their technology, their speed, their capability, their TPS is really, really good. I think you're going to find that they're going to have a big role to play here. And again, I got it for full disclosure. That's one of uh, the horses that's in my stable. I love HBAR, love Algo. I mean, there's so many of them out there that, that I have a, a love for here. And not a love, but I mean to love putting them in my, in my stable there. I really, really think this is breaking news. You're going to hear more and more news about this stuff happening now you're starting to see all these partnerships but abs remember what i told you this goes back to exactly what i saw happening in 2000 when you and tone were in diapers and me and andrew were you know raising kids um basically you're going to see a bunch of technologies and a bunch of companies try different technologies we don't know who's gonna win we didn't know bluetooth was gonna win in fact bluetooth it was kind of like it wasn't really even really thought of seriously, and then it ended up winning. So you don't know which one of these payment solutions are going to win. You're just going to see a bunch of them being talked about. A bunch of them are going to be tried, and then a lot of them are going to get dropped and lost. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of money that can be made on the speculative side of this market. If you know how to play the game and you have an exit plan, and again, you better talk. You better go get this guy's course. He's going to talk, show you how to get an exit plan. And then you go here and you put your exit plan in here. And now you've got the perfect solution to set yourself up, right? This is what we're trying to teach you guys here, guys. Not trying to promote our own products. We're just saying we're putting things in place to help you learn how to play these games because there's going to be a huge speculative bull run that's going to happen, apps, with all this utility talk being happening. Nobody's going to know who's going to win. But man, if you guys got to live through the dot com, you know, bubble. Man, that's I kind of see the same thing happening. So put yourself in a position to win. Don't fall in love with any of these, but be ready to play all the speculative markets. Here's what I love about that narrative, Johnny. It's like, imagine if the dot-com bubble took place and Amazon, Facebook, and all these tech companies were based in China. 
we would be sitting in a completely different economic situation. And that's what we're seeing happen with Hedera. And that's what we're seeing happen with cryptocurrencies in the United States. If you can't use this technology here, it doesn't go away. It moves overseas. Johnny, quick comments and cash flow. Yeah, you're 100% spot on where not only does, does the money move overseas, but here's the worst part. So do all the jobs, right? As a lot of jobs came out of the dot-com bubble, you know, you know, evolution. Tons of jobs. I mean, I'm talking tons of jobs came out of that, right? Getting the internet running and getting servers and software developers and so much is happening that it would be sad to see any new innovations, especially as you say, moving and being lost to overseas just because the U.S. chose to take a back seat. That's not a good reason to lose jobs. Andrew, I'd like to get some closing remarks on this HBAR article. We typically talk about products that are ISO compliant. HBAR is another one of those products, but to see it be one of the first cryptocurrencies used by banks in the United States, it makes me more bullish than ever. What does that mean to you as somebody who lives outside of our borders? Um, what I like to see here is not so much the micropayments and supported by banks. I want to see applications that are uh, and, and, and payment providers that are uh, uh, providing these kinds of services to application builders. And so you can do micropayments, but the next step will be streaming payments. That means uh, I have currently I have streaming audio, I have streaming video. I want to have streaming payments because if I want to pay for something, I want to pay per per second. Even if I go with my car in a parking uh, garage, uh, then then I want to pay exactly the amount of minutes I, I'm in there, and when I go out, I want to stop paying. So, and that's what I'm seeing, and that will open an enormous amount of possibilities and innovations of, of, uh, of applications and services we cannot even think of. And, and that is why this is such a good, uh, uh, yeah, a good uh, development that, that, that HBAR is, is supporting micropayments. It's, it's such a fantastic future. It, it, yeah, it's incredible. We're not only talking about international uh, payments, you know. It is much bigger, and everybody, everything in the future will be connected around payments because every service must be paid. And, and, and that, I think that that's a fantastic part of uh, the whole ecosystem with where we are in. And, and what, what Johnny also says is watch out. Do not invest in everything because we will only have, like we saw in the dot-com bubble, a couple of winners and many, many losers. I, I even saw in, in the dot, I, I remember the dot-com bubble. They were selling stocks for a company called Fried Air. I mean, and, and they were just, just selling that. It was so amazing. But, you know, if you want to invest in the smaller cryptos, what is Andrew always saying? No more than two to $500, you know? And if it goes 1,000x, you will make it up for all the other cryptos that didn't make it. So be be very careful with your hard-earned money. Yeah. Andrew, you said something very important. There is a global migration into digital assets happening today. And what we're trying to figure out in every other crypto YouTube channel out there, what products are going to succeed off of this digital revolution? And Ripple partnering with the BIS, well, it appears they've already chosen a couple of winners. That's a video we're going to be providing for our listeners. But first, before we get into that, we're going to hear from Brad Garlinghouse discussing how XRP could be used as a global medium of digital assets. So uh, when I think about the, the presentation we just saw on what is blockchain, at, at the end of the day, 
I think about blockchain as something that can enable two parties to transact without a central counterparty. Uh, I've gotten the question before of, is Ripple a blockchain company? Is Ripple a crypto company? What is Ripple? And I said, Ripple's a payments company. We're solving a payments problem. We happen to use blockchain technologies. We happen to use a digital asset to solve that problem. But at its core, Ripple is selling solutions to banks, to financial institutions, to payment providers globally that enables them to transact with much lower cost, much faster, and to improve, I'll just generically for now, we go deeper later, but around how liquidity is managed, how cross-border transactions are managed. So, uh And guys, I want to get some comments from the entire group on that video, but guess what? We've got an update from American Express elaborating on what Brad Garlinghouse just said there. What does Ripple do? It is solving the problem with payments. It is taking a fractured system and making it liquid, making it seamless, and that's what's happening between Ripple and American Express. Here's another update. And American Express, et cetera, have been making uh, huge investments and making uh, collaborations to um, go online and support platforms and uh, really enable merchants to go across uh, continents seamlessly. We've seen recent collaborations such as uh, the FinTech Wirecard uh, working with Visa and, of course, Ripple now also on our panel working with American Express. These are all signs that, uh, you know, these uh, giants are going there and they so, Johnny, with the NDAs coming into effect, it's very difficult to get an update out of Wells Fargo, American Express, Bank of America. But now sitting here in the summer of 2023, those updates have begun to come in very quickly. I'd like to get some of your thoughts on the fact that Ripple's offering a product solution for payments, and now they are working with American Express. Yeah, I mean, she said the key word there. These guys are working with giants. I mean, these are the giants, and this is where <clears throat> you want to see the companies you're invested in. Working with giants. I'm excited. I mean, it gets me very excited. As a Ripple owner, as an XRP holder, I'm excited for the potential that Ripple has because they're going to work their way into this thing somehow. You almost feel, I mean, they got a billion dollars in the bank. They got a great CEO that's all over the place, working the you know, company, contacts everywhere. I mean, Jesus Christ, if they haven't put themselves in a position to win. The only question I have for you, Abs, on that video, how old was that? Do you know? Oh, was that American a Express or Brad Garlinghouse? No, the Brad one. Uh, Brad Garlinghouse was this summer. I'm just not sure if it was this month. Okay. That's interesting because he American Express is from four weeks ago. But I'm interested because he talked about himself being a a payment solutions company, which I don't disagree with that, but but I'm surprised he painted himself into just that corner because I think they're much more than that. You know, they're expanding out into other areas. They're going into crypto custody. They're, They're really more of a is it well the big i think they're just larger than that and i think he might have sold himself a little short on that one um because well, of let me ask you a follow-up because i don't want to lose this train of thought before i ha- while i have it here yeah. ripple will work with other organizations such as mastercard swift and the bis with the goal of improving interoperability for cross-border payments if that's not exactly what we're looking for i really don't know what is and i'm agreeing with you johnny this isn't contrarian i just thought i would add to your point there with NDAs coming into effect, a lot of these banks that meet with Ripple sign papers that they cannot share the information publicly with BIS. We've got plenty of global organizations now coming out. Does this signify that the testing behind the scenes is moving into a new phase of adoption? Johnny Crypto floor is yours. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's moving into a new phase. I think it's always been there. I think it's been this has been in the works. I think you're getting a little more public information about it because of the excitement on the release of the news of the SEC court ruling. I think a lot of stuff was being held back or, or a lot of excitement, you know, 
But I think you're going to see. I think Ripple was has literally just taken the gloves off and said, we're moving forward 100, 100 miles per hour now, full speed everywhere. And, you know, in your article, it did say that they are going, their number one core strength, no question about it, is cross-border payment solutions. And so that would maybe justify why Brad was talking about Ripple being a payment solution company, because that's what it is first. But I quickly think he's going to expand. You know, we've seen them add on other pieces, open up a marketplace, doing uh, custody services and things like that. I think you're going to see them expand outside of just that. But no question about it, they started out as a payment solution company, and now they're going to take that solution, and you can see it right here. They're going everywhere they can to the big giants, Visa, MasterCard, the BIS. I mean, you want to talk about the giant, the giant's apps. The BIS is where it's at. If he gets into the BIS, and we know, I believe we showed on this show that they're on the, one of their guys is on the panel now. I mean, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. I, think I, I can't specify enough how big it is that they are integrating themselves into all the key areas. And it's going to pay off at some point in time for them. I truly believe that. And Andrew, it's articles like these, which is why I believe that names like this one, Rothschild, own XRP and they own Ripple. Johnny Crypto, I know you're into the conspiracies. Feel free to remove yourself off screen. I'm going to go into some global elite content for our listeners here because we often get asked the question, do the Rothschilds own Ripple? Do they own XRP? Well, today we're providing the hard evidence as the answer is yes, guys. They not only do they own XRP, they own a stake in the company called Ripple. SBI, which is owned by the Rothschild Fund, by 60% of their assets are owned by the Rothschilds. Now, SBI owns about an 8.7% stake in Ripple and XRP with volatility of the underlying asset fluctuating in value. This is directly from a Rothschild document. I wanted to make the title of the episode that last name, but I was worried we might get shadow banned, so I kept it clean for our listeners. Andrew, I'd like to get some of your thoughts with the BIS, the World Economic Forum, the IMF, all being connected to XRP. What do you think about the Rothschilds owning an 8.7% stake in the company Ripple? I, I think the Rothschilds have a big, big problem. The, these guys have so much money, so incredibly much money that they need to invest somewhere. And you know what? They are already very smart, smart people. So they are just figuring out where, where are the, are the hot, where's the hot stuff. Uh, you know, they are, they have their, 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 their fingers everywhere. So they know where to invest. They are in the network. They know what to do. They know what they are doing. So uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Rothschilds are, are in there. And even, I think, it is a positive sign that they think it's a good investment. So let's take advantage of this information and do not listen what they all say. No, do what they do. And here, uh, Epps, thank you so much. You tell us what they do. And that's, that's what we are here for. It's the least I can do, Andrew Cashflow. And we got 365 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm going to put a poll in the live chat asking you, why do you believe the Rothschilds would be invested in Ripple and XRP? But Johnny, before we move on, because we do have an article I do want to show our listeners, confirming the Amazon and Ripple validator news it's not something that you're thinking, but staying on the Rothschild stuff, the Rothschilds own 8.7% of Ripple here. 8.7% is a massive stake, but we've never heard the names brought up together. What does it mean to you? I mean, why would they be invested in a company like Ripple if it wasn't for what we're discussing every day? 
Well, I think that they, you know, it's a, it's a powerful family, smart investing. They know what technologies to invest in, where, where, you know, and they're placing a bet like everybody does, right? You know, when you when you're going to these technologies, we all we're all placing bets. I own a certain amount of percentage of different things, right? As do you, and as does every holder and listener in this chat room, right? So they're just placing a bet, and it's just always a good thing when you see a, a family who has a good track record of investing, investing in something that you you like. So to me, I think that's just uh, another, uh, just another piece of the pie that just makes you feel good about your investment, if that makes sense. I got a quick follow-up for you. And Andrew Cashflow brought this up. He said, people like the Rothschilds have so much money. It's not about money. These are different narratives. It's about what's the goal? What's the objective here? And we know blockchain payments make payments transparent. And when you listen to the World Economic Forum and these guys, they talk about a transparent society. My whole point behind showing this article isn't to show that the Rothschilds own XRP. It's to show what the narrative is. They want transparent payments on a public blockchain. And if you do something incorrectly, you will be penalized publicly. So just addressing that, Johnny, is this about the money or is this about the narrative? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a very hard, you know, you, you already see a lot of U.S. senators already saying that if something like that comes, a CBD system, you know, that the privacy of the citizens need to be protected. And I think that's where you're going to see the big narrative being discussed. If something like this blockchain comes and transparency comes, okay, but what are you going to do to protect our privacy? You're going to see a lot of that discussion. That's going to be a huge, huge, huge discussion on how that thing plays out. And I think in the U.S. you're going to see that, you know, they already said that the smaller banks, they will manage the relationships with customers to provide to provide that privacy. So, you know, uh, I'm not going to speculate any more than that because I don't know where it's going to go. I just know where the battle is going to happen. You're already hearing it and seeing it. And, you know, for everybody's sake, let's hope that the privacy remains in place. Final question. Do you believe this is the only blockchain they're leveraged in? And I know you referenced it earlier, but this is the one that we could find hard evidence on. XRP. Is it a PSYOP, Johnny Crypto? Is it a look this way while we're accomplishing things the other direction? Or is this really where they plan to put their utility? I mean, that's a great question. That I don't know if anybody has the answer to it. Only time is going to tell. Just the way if you had asked me if Bluetooth was going to win back in 2000, I would have told you no. You know, there was other technologies being talked about and then they won. So could that happen here where you're hearing about Ripple and XRP, but then something else wins? Absolutely. It's very possible. It happens all the time. Look here while you do there. So I don't think, I, I think that the way you have to look at this, because none of us has the answer, is you have to kind of take the Andrew Cashflow approach. Take two to $500 or whatever you can afford, and you have to diversify that into different areas that you think have a chance to win or has a good use case technology solution. And that is also backed by, um, you know, a certain certain parties and people and, and, and organizations. So all you can do is that. Just take the data you have around you and try to make the best decision investment investment decision possible. And because it's hard to know which one, sometimes you may bet in a couple different ones. And that's what I, that's my particular approach or strategy. I look at a specific segment. Take, I don't know, let's say DeFi. Or you may want to take payment solutions. Or you may want to take smart contracts. And I'll look for the ones that I think have potential to be driven in the future that have either lower cost solutions, have the right partnerships, have connections. And I'll invest in some of those, the ones that I think can really win the race. And, and that's it. And everybody has to have their own particular thesis of how they want to invest in. But that's my approach, how I handle it, because I know there's going to be some winners and losers. I'm prepared that some of my horses are going to not finish the race, unfortunately. 
you know, and then we'll just take them out and we'll ride them in the back and have a good time with them. But other horses, as Andrew said, are going to win the race, and that's going to bring you to the promised land. Here's what's interesting, Johnny. I want to have a brief uh, tangent of a conversation here. During the bull run of 2021, we saw Dogecoin go to $40 billion in market cap. Today, XRP is sitting at, I believe, $20 billion. I didn't check the total market cap there, but these are the type of numbers that we're going to see in the next bull run. If coins like Dogecoin can pump to $40 billion in 2021, real utility assets are going to go much higher in 2025. And I think these articles are what's so important. Who's going to win? The biggest connections is not what you know, it is who you know. And we have 380 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's another update everyone is talking about on Twitter. HBAR, or sorry, Amazon released a paper confirming a partnership with Ripple and the use of XRP for payment transactions. This account, and I've called this out on our show before, loves to manipulate words. Crypto geek, they got good updates. I'm not throwing any shade here. I just want to provide some honesty for our listeners. So what this is, is that Amazon's been running nodes for Ripple for several years. And this update is not new by any means. They've been working on validators and stuff behind the scenes for over a half decade now. So to see it be rolled out and pumped out as new news, it's simply clickbait. I'm not sure if it's relevant. Let's ask Johnny Crypto. Well, I mean, there's certainly some value if 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 Amazon saw the need or saw, you know, the, I guess, the will to, to run some Ripple net nodes. I mean, there's no need to, for them to do it. It's not like they're profitable. So, um, but the fact that they did it tells you that they were checking. So something's going on there. There's definitely something brewing, right? How significant it is, I, I, you know, hard to say. But to just go out and say, hey, I'm going to support this 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 network, and I'm going to buy some nodes and make it run. Why would you do that if you didn't have any interest in something that the company offered, right? So I would guess that there's something brewing there, or there was something brewing there back in 2018 when they started. Does it still hold valid validity today? Well, if they're still running them and maybe they're even adding more than it could, right? Or maybe they, they might have learned everything they needed to learn off of whatever reason they chose to do it in the first place. But the fact that if they're still running them, I think there's certainly some value there. And there's certainly – but this is the kind of stuff you, you, you have to be careful and take it with a grain of salt. You do these things to try a technology out and learn about it. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up adopting them in the long run. What you're looking for now is the next steps. What are the next conversations you're hearing? What is the next, you know, and again, sometimes you may not hear about it because it's NDA news, right? Or I'm sorry, under an NDA. So you're not going to hear about what's happening next um, until maybe somebody leaks it out of the bag or until the technology is out there. It's utilized and everybody knows it or it's open source and people can see it. Then you actually get the real confirmations apps. Andrew, I'd like to hear a different perspective here. I can ask you a question, but openly I'd like to hear, what does this mean to you? Obviously, this is old news, but it is a fact. Amazon was using these partnerships and using these nodes for several years, and they're regurgitating it as new information, but who's to say that Johnny's not right? Maybe they're working on some beta tests, perfecting the product, and a half decade later, we see these connections. So what are you thinking, Andrew? Um. Amazon is uh, uh, a big company. They they also have uh, Amazon Web Services, you know, and 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 you can buy uh, services in their in their in their computer center and and go from there. So I think you should you should watch and and they are also there to make money and not to make money in in three years five years no to make money now. So I think um, um, 
yeah, what, what is the best? Go go everywhere. I mean, Amazon is such a big company. Um, they, they want to try everything. The same that we see, we see a new partnership with company X and company Y. And then we say, oh, they work together. Oh, my God. They are just doing. They have, they have maybe two, three or four developers and they are drinking coffee together. Uh, is this really huge at the moment? Hmm, maybe it can be. Uh, however, I also see risks. If we put everything on the blockchain in a Amazon Web Services uh, uh, computer center, I mean, they can also pull the plug and say, oh, you know what? We will uh, we'll, uh, uh, shut down the, the XRP uh, uh, blockchain uh, if, if there is too much centralized in a particular area. So, you know, I think, uh, and, and this is also the, the, the power of, of blockchain and crypto, you can decentralize as much as possible. I can even run some web services from, 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 from Ripple, for example, on my local computer here at home. I can get payments, and these are services that are possible in the future. And, and we should not forget that we need that kind of service because else, if there is too much centralized power in one area, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's an act of war. Like like nuclear heads to uh, to Cuba, you know, for for years and years ago. Um, if you have too much uh, uh, power in one center, it it's not good, and it should be decentralized, and that keeps stability because then you have over the whole world you have yeah power distribution, and that's for as a humanity we are looking for that yeah con yeah, yeah distribution of power over several countries and continents, and then and then yeah you know. You're right. And just to add to your point, we actually have a law in America. It's considered a monopoly law. And I don't think this isn't a new idea to crypto. In America, if a company takes over 50% of any capital market, the U.S. government is supposed to come in and decentralize that asset. But I heard a really interesting take by Patrick Bet David with Joe Rogan. He said 58% of Americans own an iPhone. I don't see the government telling them to disrupt their company. So once you get to a certain level, a lot of these companies are allowed to, quote unquote, operate illegally as a monopoly within the United States. Hopefully, crypto can support that agenda of bringing decentralization into every market. And guys, we got 378 live listeners here on this Monday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny, this is a quick video I'm going to play before the Merlin ad because I think it's important for our listeners to hear. Warren Davidson has long been a proponent of crypto assets in the United States, but little did we know he was more of a supporter of Ethereum than Bitcoin than crypto overall. Not only is there this token XRP, here's what we Ripple can do for you. Uh, and the creepy thing that I don't like about Ripple personally is that they're helping governments develop central bank digital currencies, which is evil. Um, so, um, but that's part of the pitch that they're, they're doing. We're pausing it there for some comments. So he said a couple of things. One, what Ripple's doing is evil. They're developing a new technology. But number two, he, he threw direct shots at the currency XRP there. Very interesting. Floor is yours, Johnny. Well, listen, no, I, I don't know if he was throwing direct shots. I, I, obviously, he has an issue with CBDCs, like with the rest of the most of the world does who knows about them. And, and so he's now trying because Ripple's working with them to do that. He's throwing them under the bus, doesn't like, and that's fine. He doesn't have to. Does that have to like them? He doesn't have to invest in them. That's fine. But here's the reality. They're coming. So you could say you hate it. You can dislike the company. You don't have to invest in the company. It's okay. Or the other approach is you could say they're coming 
And how do, how do I use that to benefit? How do I create generational wealth for my family off of what's coming? So it's just a simple two, there's two different approaches in life. And if he chooses that he wants to hate the company Ripple because it's, it's working on a technology that's coming and you can't stop it. And he wants to miss the boat. By all means, great. Miss the boat. Hate the company. To me, that's just not a smart way to, to invest. I look right. at it as, hey, if this is coming and you know you ain't stopping it, so forget that that narrative. So the point is, how do you benefit from it? And to me, I think that's how we're, you know, a lot of people are looking at it. There's really those two sides, right? Either you either you it's you just don't you don't believe in it, you don't want to invest in it, and you let it go, or you say, Hey, it's coming either way. How do I take advantage of it? And so to me, that's really the two sides. Maybe there's a third side of the coin that I'm missing, but to me, I see it as those two options, somewhat binary. And I know which side I want to be on, to be honest with you. John, I'm going to play this really briefly. The, the, the thing me about uh, the, 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 what John F. Kennedy ever said in, the, in, in 1961. And I think he would change that now. Do not ask what Ripple can do for you. Ask what Ripple can do for your country. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. He's not wrong, Johnny Crypto. And check out this update. As SEC Hester Commissioner Hester Pierce is considered to replace Gary Gensler as the head of the regulatory agency. And that's not even the biggest news we're going to provide for you guys, as Coinbase just received a historical amicus brief this weekend. But before we do that, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Yes, it is. And Abs, if I can say this, I am super excited that this week, guys, if you got on the wait list, we are keeping our promise. You will get early access to Merlin. So be on the lookout this week. Uh, we'll let you know later in the week what, what day we're launching it. But you will get an email inviting you to join. It's just a small group of people as we get started and we scale up Abs, but we're keeping our promise. You will get your early access to your free 30 days of Merlin. You'll be able to use it and track your crypto. So we're excited about that. Johnny, that is very, very exciting. 30 days, absolutely free. It's the first link in our description down below. And this is where I wanted to end our conversation on Ward Davidson's statements about XRP. Crypto area, good friend of the show. She said, if you like Warren, if you're like Warren Davidson, then you would have to believe that the 60 companies tapped for their skills to develop a Japanese CBDC are also evil, along with Ethereum. The Enterprise for Ethereum Alliance is bragging about how popular they are for CBDCs just a few days ago on their website. And now you throw Cosmos, ATOM, in there as well with their new Ethereum bridge, which is used for CBDC pilots. Warren Davidson's backing himself into a corner here, Johnny, because if Ripple's evil, 
So is the majority of crypto. Give me some closing statements. Ah, she nailed, she kind of closed it. You know, people just spin narratives the way they want, right? That's how it works. And so he's got Ethereum. He's obviously an Ethereum maxi, and he's looking at Ethereum as a smart contract solution. But the reality is this whole CBD solution will not be one technology. It's going to be a layer of technologies built on each other um, that's going to build the system apps. And yes, Ethereum could be part of that. Ripple could easily be part of that. Um, Adam could be part of that. Quant could be part of that. BTC could potentially be part of it if you believe you know, certain ways with lightning. So the reality is there will be a multi-layer stacked solution that's going to solve for this problem. And, and so it's going to involve all of crypto. So it is one of those kind of weird things where people are going to spin the narrative the way they want. You know, he's going to say, well, you know, Ripple is designed to support this and they're doing a special CBDC thing. But yeah, but Ethereum, if Ethereum ends up being one of the layers of it, well, then you're right. It's just as guilty. So to me, I, I try not to get hung up in all these kind of narratives. I really don't care. I don't care about what somebody like you know, Warren, Warren thinks anyway. Uh, Warrenson, uh, for me, I just look at what are the things that I just think of back at 2000. John, I'm not into politics, my friend. I think one of the things that we have an issue with here is why do these people have no, I guess, time to research these things that are so important with people like Senator Loomis and Warren Davidson, who have long been a proponent of crypto assets in the U.S. Now we just goes to show they either have a clear agenda or they're uninformed. Why aren't there more informed people in this market? I do not understand Singapore, China, Japan, Australia, UK, all are ahead of the game when it comes to the US and, and crypto adoption. And it's articles like these that are so important. This is why we are seeing crypto annexed outside of the United States. We've got a breaking article here as this scenario could see Gary Gensler replaced by the SEC's crypto mom, aka Hester Pierce. Now, while former SEC official John Reed Stark broke down a potential situation where the Republicans win the election and Gary Gensler is replaced by crypto-friendly uh, SEC enforcement. Now, I'm not. I'm going to skip a lot of the details here and just get right into the meat and potatoes. The world should expect that most U.S. SEC crypto-related enforcement and most crypto-related SEC disruption would come grinding to a screeching halt if we get a Republican in the White House. Stark also drew an increasing popularization of crypto regulation within the SEC and U.S. politics more broadly. Now, people often reference that when Donald Trump was president, he agreed that crypto was dangerous and a horrific plague. People like a war, uh, Elizabeth Warren are even forming anti-crypto armies in our country. Stark said that this was unlikely that the regulator would become more friendly towards crypto, predicting that the SEC would reject the current swath of Bitcoin ETFs for a range of compelling reasons. Stark also shared that Bitcoin markets have a history of artificially inflating trading volumes and are highly concentrated within the hands of a few actors that rely on a small group of select entities to remain on the Bitcoin network. This reportedly leaves investors extremely vulnerable to manipulation by bad actors, and that will be the SEC's excuse for denying a Bitcoin spot ETF. The reason I brought this article up, Johnny, is not because I think Gary Gensler is going to be replaced tomorrow, but what I do think is if the Republicans win the election, we are going to see a lot more crypto-friendly conversations, specifically from the SEC. How do you feel about those rumors right there? If the Republicans win, the U.S. becomes crypto-friendly. I, I totally agree with that That statement. Is that Well, it depends on who wins on the Democratic side, too. I think even there, there are some crypto advocates there. So it's going to come down to that. But I agree with you totally, Abs, that I think 
you will see if 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 we can get a crypto friendly um uh, um uh, regime in place you're going to really see this thing open up you know somebody was just saying in the chat here check this out abs that there's a huge huge host of uk jobs that were created and not so much in the and this is exactly why this is exactly what i was talking about a year ago on the show that this would happen that we would be hurt we would lose jobs because of this non-crypto friendly approach of a new technology that was coming into place where there's going to be tons. I mean, you see apps, we do it on this show. We're sure how many times banks are looking to hire, you know, a, a web three block developer or, or, you know, a blockchain developer, right? How many times do we see it? But there should have been a lot, lot more of that stuff happening. So I think that's the kind of stuff that will happen. Abs is money will flow into it. Jobs will come out of it. It'll be a huge win-win for the U S if we get that, I'm just worried it's still another year away or, or even then by the time things happen, a year and a half away. That's a long time to be away. I, I just want to close one thing out. There's people asking the question, when Merlin? No, Merlin is not publicly live yet, guys. You have to sign up and get on the wait list below. We are offering Merlin to everybody starting this week. We will open up the door and invite more and more people every few days to join the Merlin platform. So you need to get on the wait list below. And hopefully uh, a month later, once everybody who's signed up on the wait list is on, then we'll open it publicly live. So get on the wait list if you haven't done so. Guys, throw some ones in the live chat if you'd like us to go over on our time today. I do have a lot of articles prepared, and I realize we only got eight minutes left here. So I'm going to go rapid fire. And Andrew Cashflow, I am starting with you, my friend, because this is a video or an article all of our listeners should be aware of. Ripple joins the BIS Cross-Border Payment Task Force. And what's so exciting about this, they are one of the only crypto companies on this list. So the Bank of International Settlements recently announced Cross-Border Payment Interoperability and Extension Task Force that includes blockchain-based digital payment network Ripple. The BIS shared a summary of its Pi Task Force on May 11th, which says that members, uh, members of the task force will work to enhance cross-border payments and meet the quantitative targets for cross-border payments endorsed by G20 nations. That is so, so big for our listeners, but let's get into the details here. The BIS and the Pi Task Force will also enhance cross-border payments by improving access to payment systems extending payment system operating hours, creating links between different payment systems, and including linking application programs for interfaces and aspects of messaging. Ripple specifically will work with other organizations such as MasterCard and Swift to fulfill the BIS goal of improving interoperability for cross-border payments. And on August 9th, the SEC sent a letter to the judge presiding over the XRP case saying that the warrant a fresh look of an appeal. So we are seeing the SEC looking to file an appeal while the BIS is ready to use this technology. Andrew, I'm going to give you the floor and we'll continue. Um, if I were uh, a, a project, you know, you know, I, I was a, an IT project manager and an, and an IT architect. And if I would be working at the BIS and I get from the, from, 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 from the high level management and, 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 and assignment, figure out how you can implement uh, uh, cheaper cross-border payments and how that can benefit from us. What do you think? Will I build an own uh, uh, software development team within the BIS? Absolutely not. I'm going to the market and I'm going to figure out, okay, what can I buy in the market? Then uh, the next thing is, okay, I want to, to, uh, to partner with other uh, 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 companies to see how can we integrate with each other and get all the, yeah, all the, all the noses in the, in the same direction. So that's what, what I would approach something like this. So 
is it is it weird that Ripple is on the shortlist of, of BIS? Absolutely not, because Ripple proved already in 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 in, in smaller areas that they are able to do this job. So it for me is absolutely logical that that Ripple is there to to help the BIS for whatever they want to do, because that that's what uh, that's what uh, uh, Ripple does. Um, are we? always happy with it with with privacy and that kind of stuff not however i i think oh it it is also unavoidable to to have a uh, you know we talk a lot about central bank digital currencies it is unavoidable that it will exist and i think it's also some way or the other it's also convenient except from of course the the privacy stuff and and all the the power they, they can do with you but yeah, we, we also need a, a broader uh, discussion about it, a worldwide discussion about how do we handle this kind of privacy uh, stuff, and, you know? And if we do not like as the public, the, the privacy from governments, you will see a lot of people moving to, to other solutions. So I'm, I'm not worried about the future, but I'm always looking to positive things. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, future we are heading to. Andrew, we often say the winners and losers have been chosen behind the scenes and our job is to figure out who they're going to be. And it's documents like that. Ripple connected to the BIS as well as MasterCard and Swift. Now we know they are working together. There is no debate about it. We got 242 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I meant to say 342. I don't want to forget anybody out there. But let's get into this article that came out of Ripple yesterday as they now own 90% of the global trade markets, Johnny. Another massive update for our listeners. Instaram is one of Ripple's partners in the financial landscape, is seeking to further strengthen its international operators via blockchain solutions. Interim has made a significant move to leverage one of its payment solutions for internal treasury operations. In particular, Instaram will use Ripple payments to ease treasury operations for Instaram and its small and medium enterprise customers. Ripple highlighted that Instaram will leverage its blockchain product to cut the time it takes to transactions by at least 50%. Now, why is this so important? Instaram's collaboration with Ripple dates all the way back to 2018. And at the time, the company's objective was to streamline the hassle of cross-border payments for its global clientele. Now, their CEO mentioned that Instagram's use of Ripple's treasury solution to manage liquidity for its internal operations has been massive for the company. Particularly, they highlighted how the speed of Ripple's payment system has marked a great update for the entire global solution that they are providing. Our customers are across 40 different geographies in all parts of the world that we serve. So being 24-7 is almost expected. Ripple fits very nicely with the whole notion, and the speed is one of the strengths that Ripple brings to the table. Now that Ripple partnered with Instagram, Ripple commands over 90% of the global FX market. The firm stated that its payout network encompasses over 90% of the world's foreign exchange business, and Ripple believes that Instagram will see dramatic improvement due to their blockchain solution. That is so great, Johnny. 90% of the world can use this product once it's approved. And now we've got another major partnership. What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, this just goes to show you the validation of the business need that was out there, or the unmet need, right? We needed a, Companies needed a faster system that was real-time, 24-7, and low cost. And Ripple nailed it, hit all of them. This is just validation of it here. And I think as, as more and more companies start to see these kind of solutions out there, 
uh, well, you're going to see people trying to come and knock them off and try to kind of, you know, do, do a, create a better system or solution. But the reality is I think you're going to see a lot of people, companies look at it and go, oh, wow, they're using it and this thing's great. I'm going to adopt it too. And that is what you want to see. If you start seeing that happen, as opposed to them going and trying out, you know, other competitors trying out other technologies, then that's where you're going to end up in a situation where, like, Bluetooth one Ripple's going to win because in that case, or XRP will win because if you see multiple multiple companies starting in, in countries starting to say we're going to all use this one technology, that's going to explode. That's how basically you know you basically saw it was Apple and I forgot there were two other big companies that said we're going to use Bluetooth. Once you had those two or three big companies say we're doing it, it it represents so much mass volume of the cell phones that were out there that everybody's like, well, we have no choice. If they're going to use it, we need to use it because the rest of the world's going to use it. And so that is what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for here, Abs, to see how many other players say, hey, we don't care about the other technologies. We're going to use this existing one. That's going to be huge for Ripple and, and the, and the uh, increased ability for adoption. Andrew Castle, the title of this video was XRP and JP Morgan. That is what I waited one hour to show our listeners here, guys. We got 330 listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is the video from JP Morgan explaining how their future is tokenized. Moving money can be challenging. Traditional payment rails create limitations like complex and costly cross-border transactions and limited cutoff times. The needs of payments providers and corporate treasurers are increasingly complicated, but they're constrained by current systems with limitations based on locations, currencies, and account types. Global payments infrastructure needs to evolve. Efficient payment mechanisms need to be agile and direct. Complex multi-account structures need a way to move money globally 24-7 with technology-driven automation and programmability efficiencies. Enter deposit tokens, a transferable token that can be used as collateral and unlock new pathways for storing, exchanging, and settling funds while still benefiting from the trust and stability of commercial bank money and connectivity to traditional financial services. We believe the future of money is token-based, where information and value movement merge and money moves instantly replacing slower message-based systems and ushering in a new era of financial efficiency. Ushering in a new era of financial efficiency, guys. And what's so exciting about this video, and we're short on time, is they put out a video that said, this isn't going to happen in 2025, so don't wait until then. I just checked my calendar, Johnny. We are halfway through 2023. That is only 18 months away. Andrew Castle, I know you got to run. Thank you so much for being here. Johnny, Give me your take. JP Morgan is endorsing digital assets, and they said it's not even two years away. This is a big, big, big switch from what their CEO was saying about cryptocurrency a few years ago. Uh, but no surprise here. I mean, this is, again, of extremely bullish news for crypto as a whole. You have been saying it on the show forever. Tokenization is coming. There's no question about it. The question is, how do we capitalize on the tokenization that's coming? To me, that's all I care about. I mean, it's coming. I can't stop it. I don't try to stop it. I just want to get. I want. I want to. You know, I want to be in position to benefit from it, as you all should if you're out here and you're trying to do this. So, um, yeah, it looks like people are calling for tones to speak. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have any comments on this one. <laughs> tones, jump in there, kid. 
can we pull up the article or the oh well i mean it's jp morgan we know how it goes i mean they're big they're a big company they're getting involved i mean to me it looks like they're kind of pushing cbdc's a bit here with that whole thing i mean it's a, it's good that it's coming. I mean, now that banks are pushing it and there's promos and stuff coming out, people are actually going to open their eyes and realize that this stuff is coming. The U.S. dollar and stuff is going to die and cryptocurrency is the future. And so I think people are going to start to realize and open their eyes and start to invest and buy more, get rid of the dollar and get more gold and silver and more cryptocurrencies. And perfectly enough, Tones, we got a video corresponding to that right now. Guys, we are working overtime today with 321 live listeners here. Johnny Crypto, show us some love. Smash that like button. Those like buttons pay Johnny Crypto's bills here, guys. So please do smash that. <laughs> don't kidding. even go there, man. I'm only kidding, of course, guys. We don't get paid for it. You know. No, 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 no. Only jokes. Only jokes, of course. But here's the latest update. The world is moving away from the U.S. dollar, and it seems like the only alternative is gold. U.S. Treasury has weaponized the dollar frozen the reserves of the central bank of russia and other countries looking around saying hey what if they don't like what i did you know what if they don't like one of my policies are they going to freeze my reserves there if you say i want to get out of the dollar as a reserve currency the only really good alternative is gold well that that was a, a long way to let me know that i need to learn more about how the u.s dollar works but at the end of the day uh the strength of our dollar lies here in our country and hopefully our government understands that and, uh, and we quit attacking it in the ways we have. Uh, Jim Rickards, thank you very much for joining us. And that's exactly what the BRICS nations are working on behind the scenes, Johnny. Not only are they creating an alternative for the U.S. dollar, they're connecting that asset to gold. And for anybody who doesn't know, up until 1971, the U.S. dollar was backed by gold. And then we switched away from the gold standard, moved into a debt-based system. Here we are today in the greatest debt crisis of our generation. But Johnny, give me some thoughts before we continue. Well, you still think about this. If you're going to replace the most powerful world reserve currency in the world, you have to do it with something that's trusted. Well, you're starting with a new currency, so it's not trusted. But what is the most trusted currency in the world? There's only one. We all know it. Well, gold is the answer. Gold. That's correct. So gold is the answer. So what do you do? You say, well, I'm going to bring you this new currency. Well, people are like, well, screw you. I don't trust it. That's not real. Well, okay, but here, it's backed by gold. It's like, ah, okay. Now I can trust it because it doesn't matter what the actual paper version is. It's backed by something that everybody trusts, which is gold. It's a brilliant way to do it. Now, here's what's going to happen. Write this down. You guys will remember this. I may not be here. But the same exact thing that happened with gold in the U.S. If this does happen and they create a new BRICS currency that's backed by gold, the problem with being backed by gold is you can't inflate it. Right. And we know banks want to inflate stuff. You know, so what do you think is going to happen? They'll start it out back by gold, but probably 20, 30, 50 years from now, guess what? They'll do the same thing they did the US dollar. I'm like, oh, we're disconnecting it from gold. Right. You guys will be here. Don't forget that. Like 50 years from now, remember that you took it out of that conversation. Like, hey, remember when Johnny Crypto was saying that they were going to disconnect gold from the new brick? There it is. It's going to happen. But it won't, it, it, it'll be a long time from now if it does happen. Johnny Crypto, we got three more topics for the end of the show. So I'm going to go a little rapid fire here. Let's get into this Sam Bankman-Fried news. As Sam Bankman-Fried was sent to a New York prison after a federal judge revoked his bail. Now, the reason he was sent to prison, guys, is he was caught tampering with evidence and threatening people in this court. We're short on time here, but what I really want to focus on is I always thought that he would be the guy to get away with no scratches, Johnny. Nothing going on here. But what are we seeing? 
he's quickly being turned on by the same people who supported him. 40 million in Democratic donations could not keep him out of jail. And that's very, very clear with this article. What do you think about Sam Bankman fried actually being behind bars now and not sitting in a million dollar mansion? Well, listen, first of all, it kept him out of jail, but he was a knucklehead. I'm not going to use the R word, uh, but he was a knucklehead because I would have used the R word right there. And being a knucklehead, what happened to him? He got himself in trouble. You can't you can't pull a John Gotti. Oh, we got Jeremy in the house. Holy crap. What's up, Jeremy? You can't pull a John Gotti and start messing and tampering with witnesses, Abs. You can't do that. That's illegal. And so, you know, whoever was helping him, you know, they bought him some free time where he was able to be under house arrest. They must be shaking their heads going, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> we give him, we give him a somewhat of a free pass. You get to stay at home. And then you start messing with tampering with witnesses in the case. Of course, you're going to land yourself in jail. That was just completely... God, I want to use the R word right there. That was completely a bonehead move. And 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 so there he goes. Now he gets to go where he belongs, which is in jail. Now, remember, though, let me just clarify this for everybody, because I know people think he's in jail. No, he's not like in jail long term. He's just in jail as they go through all the court proceedings and all that. He hasn't been like convicted where he's going to jail for a long time yet. Abs, We don't know what's going to happen with the actual convictions because convictions, you know, that that's they already threw away some of the stuff they were going to convict him for. So who knows what's really going to happen to him in the long run. But at least until then, you know, at this point in time, you're right. He is going to spend some time in jail until the case comes through. Johnny Crypto, let's get into the Cardano ICO that happened because this is very interesting. We got an interview with Charles Hoskinson talking to Tony Edward, discussing the ICO process that happened with Cardano and how they went overseas to avoid the SEC. Then I left in uh, June of uh, 2014, uh, early June, late May, uh, and then just kind of went into the wilderness for a while and decided, all right, well, do I want to stay in the space? I've kind of taken a little bit of beating. So just to preface what he's saying there, in 2014, he left the Ethereum Foundation and he wandered into the woods to ponder life. I've done a lot of interesting things and met a lot of interesting people, but I wasn't really prepared to be a cryptocurrency entrepreneur. It takes kind of a personality and a certain type of... Uh, approach. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do one more uh, venture. And so I went back to the drawing board and uh, talked to people that I knew from the BitShares days and people I knew from the Ethereum days. And I asked them, hey, guys, uh, uh, if I was to do another venture, what, what should we do? And we all decided that the best idea would be to build a company that's kind of like a cryptocurrency factory. Because the thing I really enjoy the most is designing cryptocurrencies and figuring out how to launch them and get all the code done and push it out. That's a lot of fun. And so we said, well, let's build a company that does that. So early in 2015, um, some of the guys from Ethereum and BitShares, we all came together and we formed uh, Input Output uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, the basic idea of the company is to start from first principles. So start from academia uh, and kind of understand how cryptocurrencies work at, at a very deep level and then work our way all the way up to uh, full prototypes and then release them and uh, focus on uh, particular types of uh, problems that we feel can uh, evolve what's called cascading disruption. So what does that mean? It means that uh, when we build something, we want to fundamentally change a marketplace. Like for example, with Bitcoin, it fundamentally changed the notion of how value is moved around. Well, there are some people in the XRP community that are trying to invent this grand conspiracy that there was blatant corruption between the insiders at the SEC and Ethereum. 
Sorry, guys, mute button got me there. Well, he just explained the own corruption, Johnny. What he did is he took us step by step explaining how those phone calls and backdoor relationships allowed him to create the security that exists today. And then he goes on to call it a conspiracy theory. So maybe don't shoot yourself in the foot and then say, what happened? Am I, am I, are you with me here or what, Johnny? I don't know. I'm not so sure. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, he was a guy that didn't obviously fit in with the Ethereum group or something happened there. And he decided to leave the industry, went into the woods. He did some meditation, as Jeremy would tell you, you know, go out there and meditate for a little bit. Think about what you want to do. And uh, he decided he wanted to give this another world. He put the band back together again with some guys, connections he had. In this case, he did it overseas and he launched something over there, which is not a violation in their country, apparently. And I, I don't understand what the whole fascination is with everybody wanting to throw Hawkins under the bus when you go and listen to what this guy, your boy right here, Vitalik, was just saying how he's still bashing ripple up until like over the weekend and i sent you the tweet i don't know if you got it but he was sitting there bashing xrp saying how they are you know still centralized completely and and not even a cryptocurrency but a security that's the guy that i'm wondering why nobody's angry at they're all mad at hawkinson this is the guy that's really throwing ripple under the bus and here we go we got vitalik buterin explaining how ethereum tokens are built with back doors here we go so the rollups and uh, layer twos that exist on Ethereum today, they basically all have what I call training wheels, like some kind of backdoor that lets developers uh, come in and like say stop and change the protocol if they see that some kind of bug has happened. And I mean, come on, what are we talking about here? This is just getting regurgitated. It's like, we already know Ethereum was initially a security and now they're talking about how you can manipulate the currency without actually getting approval from the initial investor. If you're a developer, you can go behind the scenes, cancel transactions, alter information. But why are we still discussing this? This is what I'm not understanding. If we just prosecuted Ethereum for being a security and said it's decentralized, now it's a commodity, the industry can move forward. But we continue to have these conversations, expose this information. And you know what's going to happen next week? We're going to show you another video of Vitalik bashing Ripple and nothing will have happened. So Johnny, close us out. And I got a great article to end the show. I think really what's a critical, what he said there was, oh, yeah, there's a backdoor. We can get in there to fix bugs. Well, you can also get in there and hack the system. That's the part that should be worrisome to everybody. Because theoretically, the way the blockchains are supposed to be designed is unless you have a majority of the validators, you're not supposed to be able to change the code. Not a single one. That's why there's all these forks. Because when you want to change the code, you have to fork it and create new code and then call it something different and not allowed to be able to change the existing code unless you have a majority vote, which I think in some, depends on how the smart, how the code is written. In some cases, 51%, sometimes it could be even more. So I don't know when he spoke there. It's interesting to know, is he saying anybody can go in, any developer can go in and change the code without getting the validation needed because it's a bug? That's very interesting and very dangerous at the same time. And even if it was, that still makes it a security. It still allows a single developer to go in and ma manipulate functions based on their own perspective of what's happening, right? And I well, think that's... Remember ahead. what a security is. So a security, the definition of security, I, I wouldn't say because they can manipulate it. It's the way it's pitched to the public is what defines... Well, this guy always asking the innings. Yeah, we're still in the middle of the game, my friend. It's like the fifth or sixth inning, all right? But we're we're kind of maybe like the sixth now. We're in the sixth inning. We're not game's not over yet. There's still the fight's still going on. I love that guy. But absolutely security. What makes something a security is how you, anything can be a security. 
Your, you know, your shirt, Tones, your shirt could be a security. Depending on how I pitch it, if I'm a company and I own something and I pitch something to you to take your money to, to, to promise you a return, that's a security. It doesn't matter what it is and how it's written or how it's done. So just remember that from that perspective, that definition is already, you know, we know what that is defined by the Howey test. So from a security perspective, you either operate within that law or you operate outside of that law. What, what should be worrisome here is the fact that here we have a cryptocurrency or blockchain technology that's supposed to be unchangeable unless, you know, a majority of people who, and this is why you always ask the question. You always ask this on the show, right? You say, what's more important, the number of people who own the coin or who owns um, the control of the coin? And to me, there's no question. It's not who owns the coin or how much coin you own. It's who owns control of it, right? Um, whether it's the validators and how they talk about it. Yeah, Abs, you broke the rules. So to me, that is by far the most important because if you own the control over what you can do, you can change the code. So to me, that by far is the most important thing. Johnny, I got a couple of videos here, but I'm realizing we're like an hour and 20 minutes into this show, guys. Please show us some love, show us some support, smash that like button. And this is the video Johnny Crypto was talking about of Vitalik Buterin, not only supporting Bitcoin and supporting Ethereum, but bashing XRP qualification to be able to call yourself part of the crypto space and not have people complain is to just like somehow use cryptography and to have some kind of change data structure somewhere like those are literally the qualifications like you don't even need decentralization right like i forget has iota even gotten rid of their coordinator yet i forget that no right? the answer is no <laughs> right <laughs> um, like xrp right like you know they're like still completely centralized and uh but, you know, at the same time, they are, you know, on coin market cap and, uh, you know, still, I think, uh, haven't apologized for writing documents into the, uh, to the U.S. government, uh, basically saying that they should be favored over Bitcoin and Ethereum because Bitcoin and Ethereum are China controlled. I think that there should be a way to talk about Ethereum that doesn't uh, implicitly, um, you know, lend credence uh, to the, uh, you know, the Lunas and the XRPs and the IOTAs and the Bitcoin Satoshi's visions of the world, but that still does leave room for uh, kind of va valuing the, the good and the yeah, honorable things that are happening in other ecosystems, right? I mean, it really is par for the course with this guy. He, obviously, he's going to endorse his product and bash Ethereum. But when he talks about Ripple writing to the government to get, I mean, it's like one of those things where if I stole something and then I accused my enemy of doing it, he's basically speaking to the politicians behind the scenes. And then he's accusing Ripple of speaking to politicians behind the scenes. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Johnny, and we'll close this thing out. Yeah, actually, I'll give you my comment. I know Tones has to run, so so I'll, I want to defer to him first because he had a comment, and then I'll be happy oh, to tell George, you. My friend. Yeah, I, I just feel like this is really, really interesting. I mean, he he's blowing all this hate towards XRP and everything, and it's it, it's just really mind-boggling and puzzling because, like, I mean, if you look at everything he talks about, it's just he's just promoting his own product, and he doesn't like he doesn't care about everything else like he he literally it looks like he's in it for the sole propriety of just making money for himself and it's just really kind of in this kind of crypto world it's screwed up because right now how it how everything needs to work is all the cryptocurrencies kind of need to work together to get this get over this bump over this 
pump that we have because every country is kind of blocking it, right? So we need to get over that hurdle. And once we're over that hurdle, then we'll actually be able to get people to mass adopt this. And we'll actually start to see more and more things and use cases come out. You know, I got to say this, Abs. You want to talk about a guy that sounds bitter in sour grapes. He's so still pissed off that Ripple went to, I guess, the SEC and said, you know, that these two are controlled by China, which maybe they were. Who knows? There might be some truth to that. But he's holding on to that, and he's just spewing anger and fire and spit and, and all nastiness towards Ripple. He's never going to stop. He's never going to like Ripple. They're always going to be enemies. Um, and it's a sad thing for the crypto space as a whole, as Tones was just saying, because we really need the crypto space to come together, which I don't think it ever will. There's too much hate and competition in the space for it. Um, so from that perspective, it's really sad. But the one thing that's been mind-boggling to me that I don't understand is all Charles did was kind of project when he thought the case would end and then it didn't and, and, and the Ripple army destroyed him, right? This guy is actually... Vitalik is throwing Ripple under the bus. He's kicking him down. You know what I'm saying? Go get your shiny box. And he's kicking and beating him. You're right. Beating Ripple down. And where's the XRP army? I don't see them coming out rising against Vitalik. I don't hear nothing. I don't see nothing. I don't, I just don't get it. If you want a real enemy, it ain't Hawkinson. It is freaking Vitalik. But he gets seems to get a free pass from the XRP army. They, they're really not angry with him, even though he gets the crap and and beat down on Ripple every chance he gets. And yet, he gets a free pass. I, I just don't get it. Johnny, land of the free, home of the brave is quickly looking like land of the corrupt over here because we can't get any legitimate projects passed, but Vitalik Buterin can walk in looking like yep. a spider and they'll yep. meet with him any second that he asks. But guys, we got 295 live listeners here. Check out this closing article today because the SEC's appeal will not be a setback for XRP holders, at least according to John Deaton. John Deaton has made it clear that even if the event of an appeal were to take place from the SEC, it would not significantly affect XRP holders. The, SR, the SEC stated in its filing regarding the case against Terraform Labs, CEO Doquan, that it plans to review its request for the decision made in the Ripple lawsuit. This decision came after Doquan expressed his intention to utilize the XRP lawsuit in the verdict to protect, to protect himself in the digital asset argument. Now, Deaton explained that the appeal decision could extend for over two years, during which the summary judgment would remain government law. An appeal is not even close to being a setback. Don't let anyone underestimate the significance of this win for XRP and XRP holders around the world. Stuart Alderati also tuned in, and he said that uh, the tweet that any jurisdiction is limited to securities. If the SEC determined that XRP is not a security, then they're out of the conversation here, Johnny. There's no input needed from the securities regulator. Now, of course, we're going to see Stuart Alderati double down on the verdict. But what I like to see is that even if the SEC appeals, what stands today will stand for the next two years. And that leads us all the way through to the end of 2025, which is after the presidential election and most likely after the next bull run. Floor is yours, Johnny. Yeah, no, I think all those facts are correct at the end of the day. The, pro the one thing, though, that will happen, Abs, is, in my opinion, is if they, well, they are appealing. So if the appeal, if they get the approval to continue the appeal, or don't forget, they still need the judge in the, in the appeals court to accept the case. That hasn't happened yet. But if they accept it and they decide that they're going to allow the appeal to go through, Abs, now, to some degree, 
you almost have to some degree the monkey back on. And I'm not throwing the first rock because that's not what we do here. Uh, I was just curious of why the XRP Army went so happy hard after Rockinson and really kind of feels like they're giving uh, what's the name of the uh, free pass. But that's fine either way. But abs to me, you have to understand that this appeal kind of puts the monkey back on, on their back to some degree. Now, yes, they'll have two years or a year, however long it takes of that ruling that's going to hold its ground. But now. If you have a company that's sitting there thinking they want to maybe adopt the technology and then they look at it and say, well, but now it's back in court again and we don't know how that ruling is going to go. We're going to wait. Now companies may be waiting another two years again. So I'm not so sure I see it as all green, you know, blue skies and, and you know, in and, and all happiness and sunshine. The way some of these people are painting the picture out to say, oh, yeah, it's no big deal if they get appealed. No, I, I think it can. I, I think it can. I think there could be certain relationships that could maybe get put on hold or maybe ones that people are on the fence thinking about using them that may, maybe they may not now. And so um, that's the one downside I see of this whole appeal if it does go through abs until we actually get the ruling. Thank you, Johnny. And we've got 305 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. This is the last video of today. And it's from another one of our friends here, Digital Perspectives, also known as Brad Kimes. Go check him out on YouTube, Twitter. This guy does amazing work. He's on our show all the time. But this is a video of Brad Garlinghouse explaining exactly why Ripple has a competitive advantage over many other companies in the crypto sphere. Ultimately, as you know, uh, Ripple is really focused on how do we enable an internet of value? How do we make value move the way information moves today? And that's our big kind of multi-year, 10-year view of how the world will evolve. And it's really how do we dial that back and to make it tactical and real today and tomorrow. And I think if you want to enable an internet of value, you've got to connect the repositories of value. Right. And the repositories of value, as big as the Bitcoin value proposition is today, the banks own trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of assets. So if we want to enable an internet of value, we've got to connect the banks and payment service providers and MSBs. And uh, we're excited to have made a bunch of progress on that. So. Quick pause there because we started off this video showing you Ripple's partner with the BIS, American Express, MasterCard, Swift. And what did Brad Garlinghouse just say? They're creating the interoperability solution between financial companies. Billion dollar, trillion dollar product. It's all up to you guys. You can guess. I, you know, I think one of the things that has served Ripple incredibly well is I think in contrast to some in the community that are kind of taking a very horizontal view, we're talking about literally over 100 use cases, we've been very specific about one, right. payments, particularly cross-border payments. And let's go deep in really understanding that, that product set, that need, that customer, how you sell into that customer. And so I think, you know, as I look at where we are today relative to a year ago, I think that that focus in really understanding that segment and that customer and being able to go deep and really solving that problem has served us incredibly well, and it, it will remain focused on payments. It's obviously a massive industry. Uh, the, you know, the, the problems we're solving can be measured in the trillions of dollars. That isn't to say that I don't think there's other great block cases, and right. eventually maybe Ripple will address some others. But today, I kind of view it as the earliest days of Amazon, where Amazon said, hey, we're a bookseller. I mean, the, the first name of Amazon was not. I love that quote so much, Johnny. Amazon was a bookseller. Ripple, we offer an ODL solution 10 years later, they've, they've infected every aspect of finance. And we saw it. Carbon credit market, on-demand liquidity, Ripple payment solutions. The list goes on and on. And we haven't even talked about the automated market maker, which is coming to the XRPL, because I'm sure we got 320 people here. 
Many of you are going to be making money from the automated market maker when it comes out. So it's another layer that Ripple's adding to this amazing development here. Guys, we got 320 people. We worked an hour and a half today. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Believe it or not, I do have more content we could get into, but I got to end it here, Johnny. So close us out. Floor is yours. I'll just say that I do believe Ripple has really put themselves in the position to be like an Amazon. I think in the long run, there will be a new Amazon coming out of this space, whether it's Coinbase or Ripple. I'm betting, you know, on one of those two, but it could, and there could be a few more along the way. Abs, no doubt about it. But he's smart in what he said. He said there's all these different use cases, and right now we just focused on one: cross-border payment solution. Mario, glad to see you're still alive and with us, brother. I know it's been an hour and a half, but it's so smart apps as a company. You have to have one core competency. You got to, whatever you're going to do, do it well. Do it once, do it well. And that's what he's focusing on right now. Kudos to them. I think that's what's going to help make Ripple uh, one of the big players in the future as we move forward. Johnny, we started off the show with this. Just close this out. You can leave the music on. Former President Trump has been found to hold $250,000 worth of Ethereum. For anybody who didn't catch it at the beginning of the show, what does this mean to you, former president holding crypto here? It means it means somebody likes the crypto industry, baby. There we go. We got new days on us, guys. We got 314 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors. Ah, have an amazing day, everybody. Get your shit together, baby. Let's go. Let's go.